Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's nothing like the mystery and intrigue of cinema, is there? The eternal questions posed by movies are one of the main reasons the art form has endured for so long. Sometimes this is because they muse on the nature of the universe, of life itself, of the human condition. Questions we can never possibly hope to know the filmmaker's meaning behind. Other times it's actually something really simple and the solution just got hacked out in the editing room. We're going to talk about the latter. My name is Adam Cleary and these are 10 deleted movie scenes that explain confusing moments. Number 10. Why does Brad Pitt still wear his wedding ring? Moneyball. Now, many viewers of Moneyball have noted the puzzling fact that, despite Billy Bean here being divorced in the film, he's still visibly wearing his wedding ring in every single scene. Given that Billy doesn't seem to have any obsessive residual feelings for his ex-wife, Sharon, that's a weird move. But an entire subplot that was removed from the film but included as an extra on the home video release actually showed that Billy had remarried to this woman here. Which explains why, you know, he's wearing a wedding ring. It's... It's because of his wedding to his wife, who he is married to. Without this, the film paints him as a brooding divorcee, and while that seems a jarring creative change in direction, given that it was already 133 minutes long, probably a justifiable one to help cut out a bit of the fat. Not that you should ever, ever refer to your wife that way. Number 9. Why does the T-1000 pulse liquid metal near the end of the film? Terminator 2, Judgment Day. During the climax of T2, the T-1000 begins exhibiting strange behaviors. Namely, its liquid metal composition occasionally pulsing over its otherwise immaculate imitation of the human form. Why do you do that, T-1000? Are you okay? Well, annoyingly, James Cameron cut a wealth of fascinating content from T2's theatrical release, and though these were restored for various director's cuts in subsequent years, most people still haven't seen any of that. I have, though so strap in. The T-1000 actually spends the finale malfunctioning. Turns out being frozen in liquid nitrogen, shot, and then reforming in an extremely hot environment has caused imperfections in the Terminator's ability to mimic its surroundings. His limbs get caught in the furnace, he unintentionally starts replicating things he's touching, he's pulsing all over the place, the guy's having an absolute nightmare at this point. His feet even start to glitch during the climactic to Sarah's moment, hence why John is able to tell them apart. Number 8. What does the hummingbird clue actually mean? National Treasure Book of Secrets. Only one confusing moment in this film, Adam, are you sure? Well, no, obviously the whole thing is as mad as a bag of smashed crabs, but there's only one I can adequately contextualize for you via the medium of a deleted scene. Specifically, when Helen Mirren here manages to covertly inform her son that she's in deep, deep dunga. 
Find where the moon touches the earth and release the hummingbird, she says, never to explain a single word of it. Left on the cutting room floor, however, was a scene where Cage quizzes his father about the riddle and realizes that his mother was referring to a myth she told him when he was a child. One about uh, a maternal hummingbird, sacrifices herself, saves a family, uh, it's all going bad, destruction, it, it basically fits with the plot. Somehow making that leap to connect the two, he realizes that she's in trouble and quickly calls her, only for this guy to answer the phone instead and confirm his worst and allegedly logical fears. Cut for time that was, an absolutely vital moment in the narrative logic of the film, cut for time. Well done to everyone involved. Number 7. Why does Tex Richmond hate the Muppets? The Muppets. Beyond being a cartoonishly greedy oil magnet and living caricature of the evils of capitalism who just wants to destroy the Muppets theater because he loves money, why does Tex Richmond actually loathe all the big felt lads so much? Well, the truth is unveiled in an extended version of the hilarious Tex Richmond song that was only partially performed in the film. Originally, the song went on much longer, with a verse where Tex explains a specific incident which drove him to hate the Muppets. You see, on his 10th birthday party, the Muppets were on hand to play for him and all his friends. And while his pals all had the time of their lives, Tex didn't actually know how to laugh, resulting in him being roundly mocked by all the other children. Since that day, Tex has cursed the Muppets' mere existence. Number 6. Why is Scotty so upset about Peter's death? Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan Alright, so it was a big thing in Star Trek many years ago that Scotty appears to take the death of unnamed engineering Grunt 3 particularly hard in this movie's closing stages. Being so stricken by grief, he makes the very normal decision of taking his mutilated corpse to the bridge to show everybody rather than, you know, the actual medical bay. Like, I get it was a stressful moment, but Jesus, man, get it together. But the director's cut does actually add some crucial context to the relationship between Scotty and Peter, as it turns out his name is, or was. During a tour of the Lower Decks, not like that, Scotty tells Kirk that the boy is his sister's youngest, therefore making him Scotty's nephew. Which is, yeah, I mean, I don't have any nephews, but I imagine if one of them got partially liquefied by an exploding conduit right in front of my eyes, yeah, it probably would mess me up a bit as well. And hey, while I'm here, if you're sat there thinking, Star Trek content, Adam, please tell me more than I can frequently because we have our own Star Trek channel now. It's called Trek Culture because, well, we're very original, and if that's your thing, you should 1 million percent subscribe. I'll leave a link somewhere. Number five, why is Phil trapped in a time loop? Groundhog Day. Yeah, obviously this is a wonderful movie, but it has bothered me over the years that they never actually explain why Phil Connors is trapped in this time loop. I know, look, I know not everything needs spelling out, but I have wondered about it. Is it karma? Is he in a coma? Is the groundhog a witch? Tell me. Well, in a deleted scene, and by deleted I mean literally deleted at the writing stage, so it was only in the screenplay for a matter of days, they do actually reveal all. There was, and brace yourself for this, a vengeful ex-girlfriend of Phil's, Stephanie, who he dumps right at the start of the movie. In return, she literally opens up a magic book called, and this is honestly true, 101 Curses, Spells, and Enchantments You Can Do at Home. She then places a curse on Phil for how he's treated her, causing him to become trapped in the loop. So, yeah, you're right, my groundhog is a witch theory was bizarrely about half right. Whether or not this is canon or not, well, I don't know, what can I say, but there you go. Number four, how does Plenty O'Toole find Tiffany Case's house? Diamonds are forever. So in one of Bond's many exciting adventures, Plenty O'Toole, yeah, anyway, randomly ends up at a diamond smuggler Tiffany Case's house. 
where she is mistaken for Tiffany and subsequently drowned by assassins Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid. It makes no sense. In news that will rock you to your very core, though, it was decided that the female characters in a 1970s Bond movie didn't really need much of an arc, and most of her scenes were chopped out for more exciting pacing. Originally, Plenty returns to 007's hotel room after being infamously thrown in the pool to find Bond is, and I wrote this one, executing his license to thrill mm -hmm, with Tiffany herself. So she rifles through her purse, finds her address, and decides to head there to do some proper spy stuff. Simple, really. Number three, why does Mia say, Oh, Vincent Vega, in a weird low voice? Pulp Fiction. Alright, so when Mia Wallace and Vincent Vega enter Jack Rabbit Slim's twist contest, you'll probably remember the peculiar way in which Mia announces Vincent's name. I'll just, I'll give it another go. I don't really do impressions, obviously, but it's just like, mm. Oh, Vincent Vega. That's, that wasn't too bad. Anyway, why does she do that? Well, a deleted scene from the prior hangout back at Mia's home sees her performing a mock interview of Vincent using a video camera. At the start, Mia asks him his name, and he responds in exactly the same low, slow drawl that Mia mimics at Jackrabbit Slims. Now, granted, it's not the most confusing moment in cinema, and the scene works perfectly fine even without the context, but always weird to see something dropped when it's directly referenced later in the movie, isn't it? It is... Number two, why does Robocop still have Alex's human hand? Robocop. It is quite far down the list of the biggest head scratches here, but why did they let Alex keep one of his hands? I mean, in the 1987 original, Murphy has them replaced with cyborg enhancements, so what logical reason could you have for wanting the most finely tuned piece of law enforcement hardware to have this, like, weak, fleshy human hand? Well, a deleted scene featured on the home video release explains that his right hand was saved at the request of Omnicorp CEO Raymond Sellers, whose father always told him you can tell a lot about a man by his handshake. So he wanted a hand kept on to retain some of the flesh and blood relationship between Alex and all of his colleagues. Totally gross, but I guess it makes sense. Number one, why was Fort Sedgwick abandoned? Dances with Wolves. Alright, big one here. Early on in the film, Lieutenant John J. Dunbar is sent to the Fort Sedgwick outpost, though when he arrives, he finds it deserted. This leads to him rebuilding the whole thing himself, and this is the catalyst to the entire rest of the movie. And yet, despite being such a pivotal event, we never actually get told why Fort Sedgwick was abandoned in the first place. Now, yes, given the film's 181-minute theatrical runtime, it's not unreasonable that some material was cut, although almost a full hour of deleted scenes were restored for the epic home video director's cut. There's a lot in there, obviously, but one thing it does clear up is the fate of the fort. Which sounds like a Vin Diesel movie. The garrison of soldiers posted there had been worn down from constant attacks by Native American soldiers and the theft of their horses. And so after receiving no support from Major Fambra, they decide to up and abandon their post shortly before Dunbar arrives. It's a very simple answer to a very big question, but one that really, really needed to be given in the film itself, rather than making you sit through a four-hour-long VHS version just to find out. Something that I have just saved you from doing. And, you know, there's just there's no need, there's no need to thank me. Honestly, it's, it's my job. You're all welcome. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.